Okay. Time for the question of the week. Uh, we're keeping it Halloween theme. And I was interested in, in, in knowing, is there a scary movie plot out there that you think you could survive? Like, if you were a character, do you think, like, oh, I, I'm definitely getting away from this killer or whatever? <laughs> Probably something like Chucky or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where it was just like, like, don't do that or... Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I, I completely agree. I, I would say something like Chucky or even like, uh, I don't know, like I think Michael Myers and I think classic Halloween movies and I guess we're looking at them from outside, but it's just like, you know, leave the town. This man was only going to one town to cause problems. You could literally just go to the next right. town over and you'd be all right. Yeah. So, right. Don't come back here no more. Just- right, you're right, exactly. <laughs> One likes film, the other TV. Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. But then, if if that were the case, the movie would be over. And right, exactly. So story. So. All right. All right, we're ready for another episode of Is a Streamable Life with Brandon and Lauren. And we don't have it today in history, so we'll go oh, ahead and get into our headlines for today. Uh, we'll start with the first two easy ones here, and then we've got two that require a little more discussion. But mm-hmm. first up, um, Disney has decided to premiere Pixar's Soul solely yeah. on Disney Plus this Christmas. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and the big shift um, from the previous sort of strategy that they had, because we saw Mulan come out, but that was the $30 yeah. charge. Um, so that won't be free for users, subscribers to Disney Plus until December. But yeah. um, it sort of aligns with their new announced strategy to focus on Disney Plus content. Okay. So um, that would be interesting. Yeah, no, that could... Uh... Yeah, I was interested in seeing that one, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. And I've and I've heard early reviews that it's really good. Like it's one oh. of Pixar's return to Pixar's uh, true tour de force, if you will. And oh, wow. so so I'm okay. excited. Uh, second, we've got the premiere date for the second season of HBO's His Dark Materials, which is based on Philip Pullman's um, this Golden Compass series. Yeah. Here, uh, November sixteenth. Okay, uh, that's gonna come up on us in no time. Yeah, it's coming very yeah. fast. Um, so I know this season, uh, James McAvoy would not be available. I think because of COVID and scheduling of other projects. Uh, so I think they'll focus more on at least from the the poster, um, the young boy from the first season. Oh, okay. Or a featured more along with Lyra, so I think we'll get more of his story. Hmm. Which should be yeah, good. that's um, that, that I imagine they had to have been filming like immediately after the first season stopped. Yeah, yeah, because that first teaser trailer came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting yeah, yeah, the season that soon, but it it was a hit for them. So yeah, no, it was really good. 
They got to keep it rolling. And now on to some more um, deeper issues. Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live um, was hosted by Bill Burr this weekend, comedian many yeah. are familiar with. And he stirred some controversy with his opening monologue where I didn't watch the whole thing. I just saw this little clip. But he sort of um, brought truth to power about white women trying to co-opt uh, civil rights social justice movements such as Black Lives Matter right, and whatnot right. and um, sort of accuse them of being um, per- perpetrators of white supremacy themselves, which is true. Very true, yes. Um, but a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, a lot of people saw the truth in his statement, but also a lot of women, not just white women, other women saw the sort of misogyny in the statement as well. I was wondering where what did you think of the statement um, personally? I think it's one of those things where I, I'm not a huge fan of his comedy. I, I honestly don't think he's funny, but I think that's his delivery. You know what I mean? I think that's how that doesn't excuse it, but I yeah. think that's how he's made his name and how he's made his money is kind of this brash, honest, you know, no remorse type of delivery and, just saying what he wants to say. So I, I don't know. He, what he said was right, but once again, it's the way it was packaged where I think it's like, he, he did kind of like, like I don't know. It was, it's whatever. It's kind of like a 50-50 thing. Cause yeah. He, he did, yeah. Cause I mean, on one hand he is right, but on the other hand, um, he is also a white male. So it's not really, Right, yeah. Not saying much, like... Right, exactly. So, you're accusing these these white women of, yes, co-opting the system, but it's something you created, right. so... And that they're yeah. victims of as well, so it was kind of... I don't know. Coming from a white man, it's not exactly as productive as we might think it is. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. I don't know. I guess the only thing is that um, I, I guess the one thing that really stuck out to me in terms of, I mean, I guess you could see sexist is that, you know, he called them bitches. Yeah, and that was the other thing. It was like you you can make a point without it going that far. Yeah, yeah. Like that could have been cut out, but I don't know. <laughs> it it brought was, some ex- Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying I was not aware he was married to a black woman either. No, I I never think about him, so I never knew that either. But um, I guess it brought some excitement to SNL, which it's needed. Yeah, in a big way. Yeah, and I've noticed that just recently, like the the hosts they're hiring are are like new crop of people. Because Bill Burr, I mean, like he's popular, but he's not like right SNL popular. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So they're definitely trying to get reach a new audience, I guess you'd say. For sure. And because the dude that was supposed to perform is a big country singer, which I mean, he's 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 known, and that makes sense. But at the same time, I, that's even a little different. Yeah, because I had never heard of him at all. Yeah. Until they announced that he wasn't going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah, um, yeah. SNL is going to SNL, I guess, 
And I guess yeah. that's kind of the point, like the stir the controversy a bit. Yeah. 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 And then lastly, in some big news, um, Paramount has decided to sell Coming to America, the sequel to Eddie Murphy's original Coming to America, to Amazon Prime, which mm-hmm. sort of is a big shift in the sort of will they, won't they sort of uh, life of theaters right now. Right. right. Um, because that's a, that's a major film going to... I guess you say streaming um, completely, like giving us like the sort of theater release, theatrical yeah. release. So it's definitely precedent on the future of theaters. It, it just kind of brings me back to the thing I think we talked about before: is who who is this for? This movie, like, yeah, because I know the young kids may have seen. It's possible that they've seen the first one, but if they're expecting them to go and watch it, that's, that's I doubt it. Yeah, and I think maybe the move, I mean, it, it was for the generation who might have been te- teens back then, definitely. Yeah. Um, but it's just part of that sort of reboot trend. I mean... Yeah. I, I get, I mean, it, it will draw draw on the audience, I'm sure, but it just won't probably hold up to the original. The old, yeah, yeah, not at all. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, and then just on a larger scale, like, you, you have directors and actors coming out speaking on, you know, trying to speak on behalf of saving the theaters. But I, I just don't see them being around in in the near future like it's just a way of the time sadly yeah it's i mean nobody feels i mean we know they're taking the precautions and doing everything they have to but you know uh, at least in this country over two hundred thousand people have died i i don't think Mm -hmm. i'm gonna take my chances at a movie theater right especially when well for the most part i haven't heard any stories about people refusing to wear their masks yeah, causing any scenes at the theater, but it is—it's a public health risk. It's, it's yeah, just, yeah, it's just unknown what could happen. So yeah, yeah, especially when there's alternatives, drive-throughs, right, right, home video. It's just—it's just the future. And yes, films are making a lot of money still, but it's not like it used to be. Right. So in general that was our headline segment we'll now transition into our binge me not the first part of our tv segment here where we discuss shows um we're watching in accordance to everything else yeah um it looks like you got into the haunting of blind manor on netflix yeah i did i watched the first three episodes um like i said i was i was a big fan of the first one and this one's not bad. I won't say it's bad, but it's it's definitely different. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, if you go on Twitter or anything, there's a lot of fanatics because um, oh god, her name is Victoria Pedretti. She was in You, and she's obviously in the first season. She's kind of like the main character in this. She has like a huge following. She's making her name yeah. through Netflix. Netflix, but um, I don't know. It just doesn't really pack the punch that the first one has. 
had rather. So, mm-hmm. but it was, it was all right. It was okay. Well, from what I've seen. So. Okay. Yeah, I still need to check it out. Yeah. Um, eventually. Um, keep it spooky. I checked out the first episode of Hulu's Monsterland. Yeah. It's like the anthology series. So each episode is like a mini film, like an hour. Yeah. Episode or whatever. Um, the first one I didn't really get. I've heard some th- some good things about some other ones, but this this first episode it was just okay. It was okay. sort of like a weird. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like a weird uh, serial killer type story, but it kind of wasn't what I was expecting. So, yeah. And I'll get back into it probably later this week. I have heard good things about the episode with Nicole Bahari, so I think I'll okay. skip to that one. But other than that, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll get into our not segment here where we are watching uh, HBO's The Third Day as well as HBO's Lovecraft Country. Um, so let's just go from the bottom up. We had the fifth episode of The Third Day entitled Tuesday, The Daughter. Yes. And uh, this episode sort of gave us some more information um, about the wife played by Naomi Harris. Um, what's her name, Mary? Uh, shoot. Oh, God. We always do this. I should know, but anywho. It's we Helen. More- Helen. Helen. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's Helen. We get more information about Helen and her background, um, more information about her children, and um, information regarding um the death of her son, which we mm-hmm. learned last week that she is Sam's wife, Jude Law's right. character. Um, what, did you, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was good. I thought um, yeah, everything was good. The pacing, just kind of, the, the, it was tense. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know whether or not we can trust the guy in the cowboy hat but I like his character because he seems to be the only one that's not entirely crazy. But right. um, the birth scene was intense when she, even from the second she woke up and just how that progressed. And um, I figured, well, when uh, Jessica was having problems with the baby and from like, and how that played out. And I, I figured there was going to be one, some point where one of them put it together. Mm-hmm. And, that's obviously what we got, but um, yeah, that was good. And man, they have a good, they are good at finding creepy people. Cause that little girl, well, she's not a little girl. She's like a teenager, the blonde one. Yeah. She was, she was, she was weird, man. She's frightening. Yeah. Yeah. This, I thought this was a really good episode. I was able to follow it a lot easier. I don't know why, but it, it seemed to, more lined up. There wasn't as, yeah, yeah. as much as um, disarray as, I guess, the Sam episodes, because he is having sort of, well, he does suffer from that dissociative disorder, so yeah. it would make sense. He, he would have some narrative issues, but um, here everything seems to be sort of a straight line. Um, that rap revel- revelation of the child's father I knew was coming, 
-hmm. and then um we we end with uh jessica wanting to i guess sacrifice the the youngest daughter yeah i think because she said something about this baby deserves to live without like interference or interruption or something so i think she was jessica was like well i don't want all this you know baby mama drama so let me Mm -hmm. kill his other family and then we'll be good (laughs) yeah because i think it has to do with all the whole air thing again like i'm not sure how right how it uh interprets like females in the thing but clearly the imagery we see with ellie and the the white um girl around town and everything about either the birth or sacrifice of a child yeah Mm -hmm. and i was also um taken back at the sort of uh what what would i call it just sort of like the realest take of helen um concerning her child like yeah she sort of uh sort of have held on to that anger to sort of process her grief yeah keep sort of on the straight and narrow which was interesting and and, and that's what i'm saying it was done really well because the dude with the hat just ran he turned into like a a therapist out of nowhere mm-hmm. and it's kind of like oh that's interesting yeah and it seems like she's either heard that before and and wasn't having it you know yeah um yeah, so but yeah, I was not uh, not expecting that ending though. So we'll have to see yeah, what, what happens. Reunion sort of brings. Yeah, I, I definitely thought it was gonna be a thing if she stopped at the big house. I didn't think that you know he was outside, but um yeah, Jessica's character, when she put it all together, but she snapped and uh Yeah. first of all, she is really tall. <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that I was like Jesus, but yeah, um, but no, it was good. This this part of it is definitely more straightforward than the uh, summer part. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. All right, and for something that's not so straight and narrow, <laughs> goodness, we have the ninth episode of Lovecraft Country, and this was sort of a penultimate episode here as um, our cat colorful characters rewind to go back to 1921 um, as they try to save little Diana's life. Mm -hmm. Um, This was definitely a heavier episode. Oh, yeah. Um, We have Montrose sort of revisiting the birthplace of his trauma. um, And Atticus and uh, Letitia sort of learning, learning about his past and sort of facing sort of the the beginnings of um the generational trauma that that the freemans have experienced right um i I thought it was a strong episode it really was it was it, it it's hard to make a time traveling like episode not um not cheesy I mean, that was the problem with that show we used to watch, man. What was that show? Time travel? Time no, travel? No, 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 no. It was a show that was on, I think it was on ABC. It just got canceled. Oh, oh God. Um, what was that? Well, I'll think of it, but 
Um, but yeah, no, it was it was believable. It was good, and I think they time they time travel for like a purpose is what made right. this episode uh, good. So, um, but yeah, no, you're right. It was it was heavy. Yeah, um, particularly that stuck out to me in this episode, of course, um, Michael K. Williams' performance. Oh man, yeah. um, he's able to emote without saying a word. Yeah. So much of what his characters are going through. Um, he stuck out. Um, and then uh, the man who played his father, I always enjoy seeing him. Yeah. He's in um, Black Lightning. He was in that show that was on um, OWN that was sadly canceled, but. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so basically this episode, uh, D has been sort of cursed by the uh, Topsy and Bopsy. Yeah. And in order to to sort of reverse the spell or save her life, Christina says she can sort of delay on the transformation, but they have to go back in time to get the book of names to see if they can find magic from their family to save her. Yeah. And they, they go back to the observatory. Hippolyta arrives back just in time um, to provide the blood sample for yeah. D. Um, and through that, we Atticus finally learns that Montrose may not be his father, as we suspected. Yeah. George, George may very well be his father. And that, you know, causes conflict and stress. Um, and then once they're back in time in Tulsa, the day of the massacre. We see Montrose reliving um, the trauma brought on by his father. We see young George and Dora, uh, Atticus's mother, um, mm -hmm. just their relationships. Um, and then Letitia sees um, sort of the relationship the family had. And the scene with her and the uh, grandmother, great-grandmother, was very powerful. Yeah, it was crazy. All the way to you know the unfortunate finish when uh yeah yeah it said a lot about um sort of well what's the term i want to say not not wanting to harp on sort of the trauma of the past but never to forget and sort of learn how to use it to the best of our advantage yeah I guess exactly say. yeah it's yeah. kind of in in our DNA. Right. And I think it's, you don't want to do, I don't think it's a thing of like, you know, let this be your strength or whatever, or like, you know, uses his motivation, but it's like, you know, this is a hardship you come from. Don't forget it as you go forward. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, point you have to go forward. Like, right. Yeah. That, that tinge where, you know, Atticus wanted to intervene early on and um, the grandmother didn't want, to lose her family, but Letitia was like, if you don't, you you can't, you, you will say your family if you help me. So right. it was, yeah, that, always that moving forward. So really good episode. Yeah. Um, so while all of them are doing that, Ruby's up here being fooled by yeah. Christina. I really don't understand her willingness to just follow this white woman's words, but I guess her experience with Christine has 
been rather docile compared to her sisters. Yeah, that's true. Ultimately, but that seems like it's about to change. Yeah. Yeah. She she does not know what she's getting into. Mm-mm. So we have one more episode left. Um and I, it's crazy how fast this is gone. Yeah, it has. It's gone so quickly. But I can see how multiple seasons could come out of this because who knows what happens next week. You know, right. I, Right. So, I, mean, I think either way I'll be kind of satisfied, but I like unlike watching, I was satisfied with the limited series to one season because there was like that full circle. With this, there's so many other possibilities. Right, right, exactly. So yeah. All right. So next uh Sunday and Monday we'll have um the season finale of Lovecraft Country and then the sixth episode of the third day. Yeah, on HBO. Moving right along, we'll get into trailer things here. Um, we got a few trailers. Um, first up, I totally forgot New York Comic Con was going on this weekend. I caught a few panels, but it just wasn't on my radar. But I did see where um, the creators of Evil, Robert and Michelle King, were on a panel with the cast. And they revealed a homemade <laughs> trailer for season two. Yeah. Which was pretty good, um, cool. to say the least. They shot it all through Zoom. Um, so the season two of Evil on CBS was actually supposed to premiere this fall. But because of COVID, it's been pushed back. So I guess they're just now starting production uh-huh. on this series. Did you get to catch that trailer? No, I did not. I did not see that. It was kind. It was kind of funny. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Kurt Fuller, who plays um, uh, Katja Herbert's character's psychiatrist, like boss. Yeah, person, yeah. He does the narration, and they all kind of do lines and stuff. And they had like stock video B-roll <laughs> of like different scenes that go with the words. So it was kind of funny. Um, but but really interesting. Um, seems like they'll pick up right where it left off. Um, they kind of questioned Kristen where that blood on her leg came from. Yeah. Um, and just sort of getting deeper into the thing. And apparently it looked like that um, Christine Lottie's character may break up with Michael Oh, the bad guy. Leland, yeah. It yeah. Seems they're on a, a riff from the conversation they had. So that should be interesting. So Look, that was you turned me onto that show and uh, I didn't know what to expect. I mean I, I think you go into shows about the paranormal and possession, just kinda like okay. But this has been really good. Yeah, it's really different. And I actually yeah. put um Brittany, my sister, onto it. She just finished okay. it like within the day well yeah i could see that it's it's yeah it's addictive yeah so hopefully we get that sooner than later next year and then we got the trailer for nine days this is a indie film starring winston duke zazie beats tony hale um about a man who sort of i guess interviews 
human souls. Yeah, it, it seems like he has some type of ability to kind of watching their lives from their point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it looks really interesting. Yeah. I've heard it looks about it. Yeah, it looks original, which is right. You know what we need. So that's always a win. <laughs> yeah. uh, but still, no word on whether it's be, it'll be on streaming or right in the theaters or VOD. I don't know. So yeah, that's more to come. But um, news of this film first came out early spring and. We haven't heard about it since, so it's good to that these things are still sort of yeah happening. Right, right. Yeah. And speaking mm-hmm. of movies, we'll get into our no concession segment here. Uh, first up, um, I didn't get to watch any Halloween movies. I meant to, but I was busy doing other things. But I did catch two films on Netflix. Um, first, I watched Saturday Church. Um, film from 2017. I remember hearing about this, but had never seen it. So indie film about a um, a teen who uh, is sort of exploring his gender identity um, right after his father passes away, and his mother sort of welcomes a aunt to the home who is like a religious zealot, basically, oh. and he oh. sort of balancing you know this grief along with um trying to figure out who he is and hiding women's clothing in his room stuff like that um actually uh, co-stars mj rodriguez and india moore from pose so okay it it was really cute soft film Um, really short too like an hour 20 minutes or so wasn't too long at all but the lead, uh, Luca Kane, was was really good. So something to check out in hmm. in the meantime. Hmm. And then um, I watched the forty year old version. Yeah. On Friday or whatever, this was uh, written, directed, and starred Ryder Blank um, about a woman, a black female playwright, who, as she approaches forty, realizes she feel she hasn't accomplished the sort of aspirations that were put on her um, in the theater world. So she decides yeah. that she wants to sort of recharge her life by making a mixtape. Um, it's, it's a dramedy. It's hilarious. Um, yeah. It was, it was really good. Um, did, did you catch it? No, I didn't. I've seen the trailer. So I got it in my, my Netflix queue. So it's there. Yeah, it's it's worth it. It's really good. Um, Rada Blank's hilarious. The cast is hilarious, and it was just something really uh, sort of light to enjoy. Sort of escape. Yeah, yeah. It, it balances the comedy and drama pretty well, and it's um, quasi semi biographical as you get into the story. Okay. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, about all I watched, I I just watched. Halloween movies and nothing really new. I didn't branch out, but um, it's kind of fun to go back and watch stuff that uh, scared you and or whatnot. But um, I think I watched I watched like Friday the Thirteenth, so that's Jason. But I watched the ones they make in like 
2009 and like the the newer ones and they're so bad they are so <laughs> bad and and I guess just like everything else they try to hold on to these franchises as long as they can but um I see why that one died out and why like Michael's still going right, Michael's right. a little bit more entertaining and I feel like as long as Jamie Lee Curtis is alive <laughs> mm-hmm. Michael's gonna have an enemy so yeah I feel like Jason sort of lost the the origin story like it's sort of yeah piled to other narratives and that just didn't right. make sense where Michael sort of tried to right. be more consistent with where that the villain came from, I guess. Right, exactly, exactly, so. Yeah. All right, we'll hop into our feature presentation here where we'll be discussing the first two episodes of Showtime's new series, The Good Lord Bird. Um, This is a show based on the novel by James McBride that's basically about um, the white abolitionist John Brown. Yeah. Uh, and the show stars Ethan Hawke as John Brown, David Diggs as Frederick Douglass, and newcomer Joshua Caleb Johnson as Onion, who is sort of the story's narrator. Yeah. Um, I had bought the book with all intentions to read before the premiere, but that did not happen, so I'll read it later. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, just a quick recap of the first two episodes. We're sort of smack dab in um, in a years before the Civil War, basically. Yeah. Um, and this little boy, Onion, um, is, I don't think he's free, but he's not necessarily in, enslaved. Yeah. He, right, he belonged right. to someone, he and his right. father. Um, and in sort of like a debacle, his father is murdered and he winds up falling into the company of John Brown um, and his band of sons and I guess you'd call disciples as John is sort of a religious fanatic. Yes, that's the proper word. Yeah. Um, and basically his, his crusade is he seeks abolition of slavery and all those that support slavery because the bible says so right um so we see him you know mercilessly kill slave owners slave pushers um and and it's it's humorous as well because they really depict him as sort of a, a not aloof but just sort of like a crazed yeah Credit's man. Oh, it's absolutely hilarious. I was, I didn't, I didn't expect it to be funny, but um, I was cracking up at some parts. So. Yeah, yeah, because it is funny, and it and it helps because when you think about it, his mindset then was extremely yeah. radical. Right. Very. So, so you have to have sort of embody that that motive in something that sort of outlandish on screen right but um basically he he's um on his way just sort of like moving around the country um to battle red coats as well as slaveholders 
and uh, Onion basically he mistakes Onion's <laughs> name for. I think the boy's name is Henry. It's Henry, yeah. And he thought he said Henrietta. <laughs> yeah, it was. The reasoning was something. I can't remember the reason, but yeah, that was a funny part as well. So, so to protect himself, um, he just goes along with being, you know, this little girl, this little slave girl, mulatto. Right. And it really helps him because we see that um, not only is he treated differently because he's a woman, which he enjoys, right? Um, he's treated differently because of his lighter skin as well, as we see yeah. in the um, second episode, second episode. Yeah. where uh, John Brown sort of leaves leaves him and his friend Bob, a darker, dark-skinned slave, in this yeah. one area, and they promise to be back. And of course, Bob is like well, we just can't stay here. Right, right. Be murdered. <laughs> um, and he stumbles upon this town um, and has to disguise himself as a young woman and makes the naive mistake of saying he basically a woman of the night. Yeah, he had no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, that, whole scene, yeah he, that whole scene with Steve Zahn was hilarious. Yeah, because he's like, uh, he thinks he's talking about giving haircuts and shaving. Yeah, Yeah. is actually like giving booty. Right. Um, But it definitely sets up this dynamic of colorism that was um, in slavery to where, you know, Bob can't go with him in the house. He's sent to the pen to work um, and whatnot. And even as a lighter skinned girl, he's um, sort of pampered and whatnot. We meet some new characters. Uh, Pie is sort of like, not the madame, but like the madame lieutenant or something of that sort. Right, right. Um, and we see colorism full force in her character and the way she feels about dark skin blacks or colors, as she would call them. Yeah, that that it was it was her using the word colors that got me. I was like, oh come on, like because mm-hmm. they really saw them as mulattoes. Like yeah, that, yeah. that's how she identified. Um, and I don't think we've ever really seen, they've always depicted like the light skin versus dark skin, like house slave versus field slave. Yeah, that's, that's true. But they've, I've never seen them use that terminology. Yeah. Like on screen, just, just as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, and then as the episode goes on, um, one of John Brown's sons finds Onion there and says that there, there's going to be a raid later on. He's just kind of scoping the city out and yeah. the raid happens. But um, before that, Onion's looking for Bob and finds out that he's in the pen and he makes the mistake of talking to them, which he wasn't supposed to do, and ends up having to promises to teach one of the slave women how to read and write, which he promised yeah. Pi as well. And um, it's found out, and many a slave are hung or hanged because they believe that they're trying to plot an insurrection. Yeah. Sadly, uh, it 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 definitely isn't going to shy away from you know the perils of slavery, but I thought it was done done tastefully. It wasn't right. Right. Wasn't trauma porn as a lot of people are saying. It wasn't gratuitous in right. in its butchery, I guess. Um, 
So it was the first two episodes. Yeah. And that oh. scene with the preacher was, yeah. was, wow, what a scene. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to that actress and actor. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it really tolls it out. How can you preach that God loves us all as brother and sister and then turn around right. and use that same book to justify this treatment right. of your brother or sister just because of the color of our skin? Yeah. It was a, a very powerful scene. Um, so what are your thoughts on this particular method of storytelling? Because there is a lot of comedy in it, which I think gives it levity, but I don't think we've... Only other th- uh, show I can think of that did this similarly was maybe Black Klansman last, well... Yeah. Two years yeah, that would be. I think it was two, yeah. That would be kind of the closest. Um, I like it. Because, I mean, as long as you're getting the story across and you're not, you know, completely warping the truth, then I think, you know, it's all right to add in the humor because, you know, uh, you don't, like, you get bogged down after a while if you're just going to watch a song, like a show about, you know, slavery. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's that's, that's a heavy topic, especially for Black people. But, um, no, I, 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 I like it. And, of course, we know John Brown was like we said, a, a fanatic. And he probably wasn't as outlandish as Ethan Hawke is making him seem, but it adds to it. It makes it, you know, more appealing. Yeah, because the the bickering he has with right. his sons, like how long his prayers are. That is hilarious <laughs> too. That's funny. Yeah, um, yeah I, I agree. Like this, the, this method of storytelling is really good. I love how we're not following it through John Brown's eyes because a lot, yeah, yeah, a lot of shows that their subject is slavery, right? It positions white men as, as far as we know, like in the past, Hollywood positioned the white men as sort of the main topic, the saviors right. of the story. When that's that shouldn't be the case. So we're seeing everything from a perspective of um, onions. Uh, storytelling which is great um and i think hawk is doing an excellent job because he was barely in this past episode the second episode we saw more of onion and the interaction of of him with other other slaves other black people um and and i think it's it's really good um uh, i'll go ahead i was just gonna say he's he's easily one of the best uh, actors alive right now. He's, he's mm-hmm. he gets so into his roles as a thing. Yeah, and I love how you know the '90s. He was sort of um, the indie heartthrob, I guess you'd say. Right, right. Even though he was in mainstream films, they were definitely more art skewed. And as he's aged, he's sort of been very selective with his roles. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. To his to his advantage as well. Yeah. Um, I think this depiction of Brown, it it might be a little over exaggerated, but um, I think historically, it's, they sort of allude mm-hmm. to him having some sort of mental uh, blip, as I guess you'd yeah. say. Um, and again, to have that stance as a white man and live it out 
Um, so, so um, literally, as the Bible says, was definitely radical and um, right, right, and different. So, yeah, no, it was. It's so good. There's so many little parts in the show that I can pull out that are good, and 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 for the humor part, like you said, the prayer part, that was that was funny. But I think one part that was funny is when uh, it's in it's in the second episode when they're sh- uh, the shootouts happening, and John Brown comes back, and he's just he's not worried so much about their safety as much as he's worried about Onion having been pure. Like he was upset <laughs> that. That the onion has been drinking and uh, you know doing all this other stuff, and I was like, "That's hilarious! Like that's funny." Yeah, he's got to get the priorities straight. And the thing is, like, that's funny, but in all honesty, that should that sh- it really. Sh- what I'm trying to say, it it points out the pure ludicrousness of slavery. Like, yeah, yeah. Like we're doing all of this, this is it just doesn't make any sense. And right. honestly, his stance of of just bringing holy violence against those that are perpetuating this sinister act upon other human beings, it it's it's the truth. Like, yeah, yeah. It, Ultimately, what many people think must happen to sort of get rid of yeah. white supremacy as we know it. So, yeah. I don't know. It, it's a very uh, timely series, I would say. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And um, I don't. I don't watch a lot of Showtime shows, but, but right. Uh, this one is is good, and I. Maybe we'll see some competition um, because I'm not sure. It's not about the show, but I'm not sure if you saw the trailer for the other show. It was about the judge whose son killed somebody. It had Brian Cranston. Yeah, um, Your Honor. Yes, that's it. That's it. So I don't know. I mean, maybe Showtime is like, okay, HBO's been stepping on our necks for the past year and a half. <laughs> like, we got to step it up, man. Right, right, yeah. I'm definitely tuned into this because I can't remember the last Showtime show I was watching like this. Right, right. Uh, fervently, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm excited though. And then episode three, we have David Dick's appearing uh, as Frederick Douglass. Yeah. So that should be interesting. It, it's definitely going to hit different parts of of the situation the political um the war the civil it, it's, it's yeah. just interesting and interesting yeah. watch it's another one of those shows that's kind of um we know how it's going to end because we know what happens to john brown mm-hmm. historically so but we'll see how they do it up until that point i guess mm-hmm. definitely yeah. Alrighty. Before we get out of here for this episode, where are you streaming for the weekend? Uh, the main thing I'm going to stream, and it, it te- technically comes on Monday, but the six new episodes of Unsolved Mysteries drop the 19th of October. And so 
I'm gonna try to stretch them out. Last time I binged those things, like it, I it was I forgot when they came out, but I think that following Saturday I had nothing to do. I watched those things from like nine to three. So I'm gonna try to put a little bit more space between them, but that's what I'm watching. Yeah, I'll definitely be on that as well because I wanna see how they're going to uh fuck us up this time. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and then for me, um, I stumbled, well, I didn't stumble. Someone sent me, uh, information for a film festival, the Millerberg Film Festival in Virginia. Yeah. And, um, they decided to make this virtual. They have some in-person screening only, like drive-through things, but the majority of their films, uh, both fiction and documentary, um, are available virtual. Um, for a small fee, the I think the narrative features are t- all twelve dollars, and then they have some panels that are like eight dollars. Yeah. Um, and then they're I'm pretty sure they're accessible for like twenty four hours or however long the festival is. You just have to um, find out. But they have some highly anticipated films on on the bracket. I know they have. Um, the documentary, uh, I think it's called 76 Cases, hmm. which MTV just happened to buy that documentary. It's about the beginnings of the COVID um, pandemic in Wuhan, China. So oh, kind of wow. focuses on their, yeah, the early days of their battle with it. And they also have a documentary called Assassins, um, that focuses on the two women that attempted to kill. Oh. Uh, I think it was. Oh, and are you talking about North Korea? Yes. Yeah, I think it was Kim Jong Un's like stepbrother or somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So documentary on them. They've got a documentary called MLK FBI, which focuses on the FBI's surveillance of uh, Martin Luther King. Um, and then the feature films, the ones I paid for, because I'm going to try to watch each one. They've got Sylvie's Love, um, which stars Tessa Thompson and Kerry Washington's husband. I have no idea how to say his name. Yeah. The football player. Yeah. Um, and sort of like a, I think it's supposed to be like a 20s love story. Hmm. And then they've got uh, Idris Elba and... Caleb McCaughlin's Concrete Cowboy about black, uh, father and son, black cowboys in, I think it's Philadelphia. Hmm. I can't remember exact place. Uh, they also have Minari starring Stephen Yoon about uh, uh, yep. the immigrant family. And then they've got um, Regina King's One Night in Miami. So. All right. Oh, that's, I think that's a, what a lot of these festivals are doing. The Heartland Film Festival that happens here in uh, Indianapolis is going on right now. And I get emails and um, I think it's like 14 days and then on like day six. But this tonight got canceled and I'm not sure what, but it's all virtual. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, I've, I know it sucks, but like this really gives a lot more people access to to these films, which normally wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't be accessible unless you were there, right? So 
it'll be interesting to see how this goes moving forward if the virtual option um remains remains yeah because i mean they're still going to make you pay it may not be the right. full fee but you'll have to pay something but but you may be onto something it may be a thing of you know not everybody's going to be able to get down to texas or up to new york for tribeca right um so give this option and i think they'll make much more money than they've probably ever have mm-hmm and I just saw, speaking of that, um, which I thought was kind of weird, they canceled LA Comic Con hmm. um, and pushed it to next year, but they said they were having in-person and virtual. I said, so y'all couldn't get a virtual thing together like everybody else? Right. That seems hard to believe. Yeah. But it definitely seems to be the feature of a lot of entertainment. Yeah. That film is called 76 Days, not 76 Cases. Oh, <laughs> sorry. 76 Days, which also is showing at um, the Heart Film, Heartland Film Festival. Okay, yeah, yeah. So if you're interested in the Middleburg, it's just, just Google Middleburg Film Festival. They've got all the instructions. Um, usually a film is available like 24 hours. Um, yeah. Some are available longer. Um, it tells you the schedule of when they'll be airing and whatnot, um, or when you can watch them. So, yeah. like, Sylvie's Love will be available, like, 7 p.m. Thursday, the 15th. So it'll be available until, like, 7.01 p.m. on um, that Friday. Oh, all right. So, and then some others will be longer or whatnot. So just just make sure you pay attention to the to the link you don't want to pay for and then forget to watch it. Right. Yeah, that'd be messed up. <laughs> yeah. All right. This has been another episode of Streamable Life. For more, you can always follow us on our socials at AS Life Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to listen every Wednesday on all major platforms. Until next week, keep streaming. Peace. This has been It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. Listen, share, rate, and subscribe weekly on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get Streamable Life.